This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. And welcome in. It is a Monday afternoon here in the Ingalls Studios, ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. You are in the sports tank with Jeremy Green, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. Yeah. And the first hour of this program, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. It's good to be back on the radio after a after about a week off. I the played l- I played a lot of golf while you were gone. You, you played I a lot think of golf. I took more of a vacation than you did <laughs> on your vacation. You you actually did. I spent most of my time in the yard doing yard work. Oh uh, yeah, that explains why your legs look like somebody took a machete to them. Yeah, I ran into Freddy Krueger at some point, and uh, yeah, you should you should see him. I do think it's funny that I go on vacation and I wind up in tropical destinations. Mm-hmm. You take a vacation and you're planting uh, trees. Yes. And bushes. Yes. Mowing uh, grass. <laughs> All things that I neither want to or know how to do. It was the official moment where I went, dang, I'm old. I, I'm taking vacations and staying around the house and doing yard work. And that is more of a break to me than... Like you said, going off to a tropical destination, which is not actually true. I much rather would have done that. However, my kids were gone. And when the kids are gone, the house is so much nicer without them around. You you weeded your patio. I wound up on a yacht with people I don't know. We don't vacation similarly. No, we do not. Uh, But a good time was had by all. And I had a whole lot of fun just sitting around watching golf. On Thursday, it's the first time I've ever watched the first round of a golf tournament. This is actually the first real experience I've had as a golf fan with the Masters. Because, you know, we had the Masters back in the fall, but it didn't have the azaleas and and all the majesty that goes around the Masters. And this felt so right. And and, And that was another... You know, okay, so I spent the first two days of my vacation doing yard work. The rest half of my vacation I spent watching golf. Yes, I'm old. 107 years old. <laughs> That's, That's what I that felt is like. my approximate age guess for you. Well, and when I wasn't watching golf, I was watching baseball. Ugh. And so, yeah. Um, but, you know, you get to that point in your life and you don't need all the glitz and glamour anymore. You just realize that the best place to be is at home. When the children aren't there. And if the children had been there, I probably would have found a way to find find my way to the beach somehow. (laughs) You were just running away from your children. I was, I was. But Hideki, Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese golfer to win a major and to win the major of all majors. And he is, like I said, you know, this morning... I was listening to ESPN Radio right here on 92.9 FM, and uh, Key J and Z were talking about what he's the kind of reception that he's, he's going to get when he gets home, and that he's got a billion dollars easy waiting on him, that he is now going to be one of the greatest you know, Japanese citizens of all time 
because he has won the Masters. And for me, that's very exciting because it means he can repay the million dollars he cost me in <laughs> DraftKings about four years ago. That is not going to happen. I've already sent an email to his representation, and they said no. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> They said, no, we will not be reimbursing you for that time Hideki screwed you at the British Open in 2017. I would, I, I missed winning the millionaire by four points, and Hideki <laughs> Matsuyama threw up an eight, a snowman on a par five. Yes, that is never a good thing, but I, I will say I have, I, I, I'm full in on golf now. The, the do, PGA do you see what I'm has, talking about now? Of, uh, of You've just got so many unbelievably talented players. Absolutely. I mean, think about this. When you saw Francisco Molinari and Tiger square off at the Masters two years ago, mm-hmm. would you have possibly thought that would be a guy that would not win a tournament between then and now? No. And hasn't even been competitive. Mm-hmm. That's how deep this sport is. Right. I and mean, yet you somehow go- you find a way to pull for the most unlikable person on the tour. Bryson DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. You, he, he's not the most unlikable person on the tour. He just doesn't play the way you want him to. He's the most unlikable person in sports, arguably. <laughs> no, Patrick Reed is much more unlikable than Bryson no, DeChambeau. See, I, could hang out, I could hang out with Patrick, Patrick Reed. Of he and I are both could. just jerks. Like We would just chop it up. Oh, look what this guy sent me on Twitter. <laughs> That's how that would go. It'd be what four it, hours of that. What do you imagine sitting down with Bryson DeChambeau would be like? Like he's trying to flex on you the whole time? Or no, what? he's trying to explain to me how somebody how his driver was built. He's trying to give me the, the physics of how golf balls fly. <laughs> See, but I thought you liked that. I thought you liked analytical golfers like Phil Mickelson. Guys that know the numbers and... Try to find the advantage anywhere they can. You're talking to a man that has lived by one simple credo his entire life. Grip it and rip it? Oh, uh, well, that too. I, I, okay, there's, there's two. Because okay. I do do that. Uh, I hit one 340 off the tips playing on Saturday. Nice. Felt good to get back the driver in my hand. Uh, but I was told long ago that most of us are not good at this game. Mm-hmm. It is acceptable to suck. Yep. Just suck quickly. And that's the rule oh, that I live by on a golf course. I forgot. That's why you hate Bryson, because he takes forever. Yeah, because he plays slow. I, I literally watch him play golf, and I can't help but think, you know, if I was behind him, right. we would be having that conversation of, is it time for me to hit one over his head yet? Because uh, that, that's where I'm at. Right. That's where my brain's at. No, I think I, I think the, the state that the PGA finds themselves in right now is week in and week out, there is probably a group of 25 guys that you would not be shocked if come Sunday they're in in contention for whatever whatever tournament that they're they're in, mm-hmm. I mean you can go down and now Will Zalatoris has thrown his name into the into all of it. Twenty four year old kid from Wake Forest University. I had no idea who he was before this Masters weekend, and quickly he became one of my favorite golfers on the tour. Just look at the list of guys that didn't even make it to the weekend. Mm-hmm. Zach Johnson, who's won a major. Patrick Cantlay, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, uh, Dustin Johnson, mm-hmm. Brooks Kapka, Sergio Garcia. Those mm-hmm. guys didn't even make it to the weekend. That's how deep the sport is. There is no sport right now, in my opinion, that is better from a talent perspective than golf is. Hmm. I don't know that I will agree with that statement right okay. offhand. All right, let me, but... rephr- let me rephrase it. There are more individuals in that sport that can win week in, week out than any other sport. Yes. By percentage. Agreed. 
In the NFL, you look at five teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you give me those five teams, uh, you can have the other 27. Right. I feel just fine about In that. In the NBA, you can look at five teams. Uh, and go. I, I, you said two wrong. <laughs> are, are you still on Lakers, Nets, nobody else? Denver Nuggets. 2020 oh, NBA champions. Gosh. Stop it. They just, they just got trounced by the Boston Celtics. It's also the first game they've lost since they traded for Aaron Gordon. This is very true. And Nikola Jokic lost his mind. And if he played for a bigger team, we would be talking much more about that. <laughs> what did he do? Oh, he went off. He just went ballistic. And it was tremendous. Speaking of going off, did you see Miles Bridges in what is now being dubbed by many as the dunk of the year in the NBA? He dunk real good. That kid can fly. He can, he, he dunk it. real good. I love it. Saying it. Here's the thing. I thought that the I, I thought the Hornets were done. Honestly, I thought they were done after Lamelo Ball got hurt, and then Gordon Hayward's been out, and he's going to be out for a little while as well, or a little while longer. I'm seriously thinking that the Hornets are are going to stay in contention in the East. I think they still make the playoffs. Yes, but have you noticed what's happening in the East? What's that? Oh, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers are just taking off and, and leaving everybody in the dust. Well, we knew that was going to happen, didn't we? And the four and five is settling in nicely to be who? The, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. There you go. <laughs> just in the words of the great just Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Yep, right where they belong. I've been telling you this since the beginning of the season. That this overreaction of, oh, what's wrong with the Boston Celtics? Oh, what's wrong with the Miami Heat? Don't worry. They're going to get there. Like, everybody started to try to freak out about the Los Angeles Lakers. And, oh, look, they're slipping in the standings. They're falling now. And they're, what, fifth now? I think they fell to sixth last week at one point. Yeah, they're five. Yeah. But 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 my point is, is that it's all going to be fine. When everything comes back to normal, that within the next, what, two weeks, they're saying LeBron and AD are going to be back? Oh, by the way, uh, just since you mentioned the Lakers, mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't point this out. Uh, did you so happen to see them play over the weekend? The Brooklyn Nets? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you see Andre Drummond eat LaMarcus Aldridge's lunchbox? He didn't so much. He ate the sandwich. He had the chips. He put the wrapper back in there. Then he ate the cookie. He even read the note from the Marcus's mom. Did he really? And left him nothing but trash and crumbs. <laughs> I did not if see that. If that is their plan in the NBA playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets will get demolished by any team with a big guy. If Andre Drummond can do that to you, right. what do you think Nikola Jokic would do to you? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that the Cleveland Cavaliers looked at and went, mm, I think we're good. I think we're good on you. And he demolished LaMarcus Aldridge. I did not notice that. I thought you were going to go down the path of uh, Dennis Schroeder, Kyrie Irving. Because both those guys got ejected out of the ballgame. And I thought, you know, this is just perfect. Now it's just perfect. The the, the stars are now aligning. I want to see Lakers-Nets in the finals. Because I want to see these guys go at each other for seven games. I don't think you're going to get that. I really don't. You don't think Brooklyn's going to come out of the East? I think what the Lakers just showed you is exactly what I've been trying to tell you about the Nets for as long as I can remember. The fact that you can score, Mm -hmm. that is all hunky-dunky. At the end of the day, if you can't stop anybody down low, you're in trouble. Right. And they don't have anybody that can do that. Right. So they're going to get eaten alive by the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks. Joel Embiid would average 40 a night against them mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I, and I firmly believe that because I don't know what you're going to do. Right. 
you know, now you're at a point where, where DeAndre Jordan, uh, he's not a thing anymore. He has fallen out of favor. Right. Okay. I'm just telling you, everybody's losing their mind. Oh, the Nets, look how good the Nets are. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they can't defend anybody. Mm-hmm. And that is still important, whether you want it to be or not. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be a big problem when they have to go up against the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, I think, let me check here real quick. I believe they're supposed to play Philadelphia on Wednesday of this week. Or they'll really struggle when they play my 2021 NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, I believe that's I believe that's correct. That they play the 76ers and the Nets will end up playing on Wednesday, which is going to be the tiebreaker. If if they stay together in the standings right now, that'll be the tiebreaker between the one and the two seed. Because right now they've split their two matchups so far this season. And Wednesday... And yeah, they do I heard, play Wednesday. Yeah, and I heard somebody say that you know, this could very well be the most meaningful NBA game that we have left in the season. Because there are only a few weeks left, and this might be the most pivotal. So we'll look forward to that on Wednesday night. But anyway, this little rabbit hole uh, (laughs) that we went down was just to say that golf is in such a great position right now with all all of the young contenders that they have on the rosters. They're unbelievable. And I'm really starting to, you know, you asked me this morning in the Sportsocracy, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. on YouTube Live. Don't forget to check us out and like and subscribe to the channel. But you asked me this morning who my favorite golfer is. And I I mean, I like Bryson DeChambeau. Yes, Scotty Scheffler was one that I threw out to you. But I don't think it really matters all that much. It doesn't matter to me. Because every week I can pick the story that I like the most. And Sunday's was John Rahm. I followed a lot of his round on Sunday because, you know, I like daddy stories. I'm a daddy, and I believe in daddy power. And the fact that John Rahm was able to go from one under to being at least in the picture on the top of the leaderboard by the end of the day I thought was fantastic. He's a guy that I'm looking forward to. He's going to win a major real, real soon. Any of these guys can win week in and week out, and I think that just adds a little bit more to the sport. I think you're right, Jeremy. I think it is the most competitive sport that we have right now as far as it's just wide open. Oh, it's tremendous. And it's it, it gives me my favorite moment in all of sports. What's that? Sunday afternoon, three o'clock rolls, or two o'clock rolls, or whatever time. I don't even remember what time it started yesterday. Now three o'clock, and you get you go through Butler Cabin, and there's Jim Nance. And just, <laughs> Hello, friends. <laughs> it's like he's speaking right to you, and just the world for four hours. The world is just it's all right. It's all mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It's, everything's wonderful. I thought it was great, and the and the aesthetics of it was beautiful. I heard so many people talking about how how good of a job the video production crew did with oh, yeah. these masters. It, looked, it, it always looks fantastic. But all of the all of the camera angles that they were using just made it, you know, it gave it more gravity to all the situation. 
I've never seen a golf tournament where they're doing the super close-ups and following guys, you know, down the green to make you feel like you're following behind them. I thought that was a great touch to have. And I think those are the kind of things that you need to get, uh, you know, a younger audience hooked in. Not consider myself in the younger audience, even though I you just shouldn't. went through explaining the fact that I'd spent my vacation doing old man things. Yeah, you shouldn't. Oh, stop. You, you're, you're much closer to AARP than you are to. Uh, no. Now you're just being mean, and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, you're, you're much closer to that than you are to young and hip. <laughs> Can you tell me who Bad Bunny is? I have no clue. Yeah, I didn't think No you clue. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, didn't care. Didn't care that he was on WrestleMania on Saturday night. Which, by the way, I did turn that on on Saturday. So we had a cookout on Saturday for the boy's birthday. We had some friends come over to the house and, you know, showing off my new toys. And I was like, hey, check this out. We're watching uh, WrestleMania. Nobody. uh, We didn't know who any of those people were. It was just bad. And then I get on Twitter to find out, well, am I awful? Am I just out of touch with the wrestling world? No, apparently everybody hated WrestleMania. I, I'm really fond of the fact that they decided to do it outside. Yeah. Uh, in a place where it rains all the time. And they didn't have any form of contingency for that. <laughs> like, hey, it's raining. What do we do? I, I, I d- d- go to commercial. Right. You could have at least put like a, you know, a tarp or something over the ring so that the ring wouldn't get wet. And then two of the wrestlers ate it coming down the ramp. Hilarious. Beautiful. I don't care how old I get, I will never not laugh at somebody falling down. Right. I, I just can't. I, even if it's me. Mm-hmm. I fall down, I laugh instantaneously. Mm-hmm. I did settle in uh, uh, last night to watch the main event match. The main event match, the triple threat match between Edge and uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Because I love Edge and, you know. I've met him several times, interviewed him several times. <sighs> and they I, screwed him. I, I they love, just screwed I him. I love Edge as well, but let me state this just for the record. Yeah. If you had put WrestleMania on one television mm-hmm. and you had put Sunday Night Baseball on another television, yeah. I would have tried to go full John Wick Matrix to shoot both so I didn't <laughs> actually have to see any of any of it. Oh, come on. You can't even get into it for a minute, just no. the fact that it's WrestleMania? No, I saw one clip on Twitter, and it was uh, a, a girl sitting in what looked to be a jack-in-the-box, mm-hmm. and her face, like, turned colors and started oh, leaking or nice. something oh nice i don't know if that was supposed to be blood but it was the wrong color uh, it was black it was it was very odd and i went interesting nope i'm out i don't know what that is and that is gonna haunt my nightmares for uh, a long extended period of time i am secret out yeah no i got more of a kick out of the uh, hall of fame ceremonies for the for the wwe for wrestlemania than i did anything else because i actually knew who those people were well they all age like dairy products for some reason you see uh, them in there it's they a look, hard life on I, the road bro look who you're talking to yeah i, I fully well know that <laughs> but i think it's funny you see these guys and they look like they're 90 years old they're like oh rob van dam 44 oh boy <laughs> he's like 10 years older than me <laughs> not many people that i look at and go i'm aging better than that guy hey don't don't talk smack about rob van dam 
These are the greatest of all time. Oh, did I did I did I hit a button? <laughs> no. Did did I did I touch a button with one of your soap opera people? Uh, a little bit. If you do, if you just start talking smack about him, we we might have had a problem. But uh, yeah, Edge got screwed last night in the uh, in the championship match. Roman Reigns, his cousin, the USO, came in and interrupted the concerto, the are, double are, concerto. Are, are you actually? Trying I'm to actually break down doing WrestleMania this. right now. I'm breaking down WrestleMania because you know what? It's a travesty. Edge should be the champion. Of the WWE, uh, and a, he is not. Well, I'm, I'm going to eat a pack of crackers, uh, and I'm going to let you get that out of your system, and I'm, and that's going to be all we got to say about that. You're in the Sports Tech with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. You're in the Sports Tank. We treat star athletes better because they're better people. That's not fair. Life isn't fair, kiddo. Get used to it. ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. I'm Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green alongside, as always, and one of the greatest pieces of news that I got over the weekend was Garrison Brooks transferring from Carolina. Look, I understand, Carolina fans, you, you, you like Garrison Brooks. He's a guy that's been around for a while. He was the guy on the team last year. I get it. But remember, that was a bad team last year. It was not a great team this year. I have thought that Garrison Brooks is a liability for Carolina for a couple of years. So on Friday night, when we were up here on the 570 WWNC and on the ESPN Asheville doing the uh, Tuscola Reynolds football game, I got that news and I got a, a little bit excited. Have you ever felt that way, Jeremy, about one of your guys? A guy on your team that transfers or something and you're like, Ah, it'd be nice not to have him around anymore. Uh, when Jameis Winston declared for the draft, <laughs> I think I had a party in my own head for about a month. <laughs> See, so you understand. Yeah, uh, and and he won us a national title. So yeah, right. I one hundred percent understand what you're trying to say. Right. That's been a long time though. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I well, Florida State. Now, actually, we, we I, now have two speeds. When guys, it, very rarely does anybody ever transfer from Florida State. Hmm. But now we have two speeds, and it's always guys declaring for the draft. Right. And I'm either real sad they're leaving, or I'm real confused as to how many rounds they think are in the NBA draft. Like Sadar Calhoun just declared for the draft. If we had 20 rounds, you would still not get drafted. <laughs> and I and I love you, but right. I don't know who's telling you to go through this process. They won't invite you to the combine. Right. I, have, I always have these guys. There's always... I must say there's always one. There's always one with the team. And it was, you know, even though we were in the, the throes of national championships, when Kennedy Meeks was in, in Chapel Hill, he was one of those. Like it just, he was so infuriating that a guy with his size constantly puts the ball on the floor. Or it's one of the things that I hate about college basketball players is, Feeling like you have to put the ball on the floor. You're seven feet tall. Stop doing that. Because every time you do it, you lose the ball. Or we lose position. Or you give the defense the ability to come over and, and challenge the shot. Just go back up with the ball. That was one of the things that used to drive me crazy about Kennedy Meeks. Garrison Brooks is the, it was the latest in that line for me. And so when I heard that he was transferring out of Carolina, it wasn't any of this knee-jerk reaction like you know like we talked about 
after the season was over and Walker Kessler went into the transfer portal and we were talking about the mass exodus that could be coming, that was one of the ones that I was banking on. I could still Please. see him coming back, by the way. I really hope he doesn't. Um Walker Kessler? No, no, no. I'm talking about Garrison Brooks. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, Walker Kessler. We're going to get into that in just a second. But Garrison Brooks, to me, is a guy that it was fun while it lasted. Um, But, you know, you're not Bryce Johnson, and you're definitely nowhere near Brandon Haywood. Like, if I'm going to have a big guy on my team, I want them to be one of the two. I don't want them to be somewhere in the middle or think that they're somewhere in the middle and try to play like both of them at the same time. Garrison, to me, was never an enforcer down low like Brandon Haywood was back in the day. I always wanted Kennedy to be that when he was with Carolina. Bryce Johnson, to me, was a little bit of a different animal, but I always criticized him for being soft as well. And I get it. I mean, it's a different era of college basketball. You're going to have a lot of guys that, you know, they're not, I hate to use the words tough enough, but that's essentially what I mean. If you're going to have that kind of size, I want you to be a banger. I want you to be a guy who's feared. And I never felt like Garrison Brooks was that guy. So on Friday, when I got the news that he had entered the transfer portal, my first thought was, oh, goody. I don't have to put up with that anymore. Second thought was, this opens the door for Walker Kessler to come back. This opens the door for Hubert Davis to be able to go to him and say, look, Dayron's going pro. Garrison's transferring somewhere. Um, That means Armando Baycott is the only big guy that we've got coming back. And now you can fill the role that Roy told you you were going to fill when we, or maybe maybe it was Hubert that told him he was going to come in and fill the Luke May role. Because I still feel like Walker Kessler was the best thing we had. And when he announced that he was going into the transfer portal, I was immediately devastated, thinking, well, there goes there goes that. Over the next couple of years, we're not going to see him be able to, tra- to, to transform himself into a national player of the year type player, which is honestly what I believe he can be. Because he's just, I mean, he's able to do it all. He's able to stretch the floor, score inside. He's got a nice little jump shot. He can hit the, 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 the hook shot as well. I think he can do it all. And I think Hubert is the guy that I want making that phone call. Hubert's the one that I want in front of him saying, look, we can be better than we were. And now you don't have as many roadblocks in your way. Because I honestly believe that Garrison Brooks was one of the big roadblocks for that. Walker, oh, I would agree with that. Walker Kessler sat there and looked at Dayron Sharp and Garrison Brooks and said, and Armando Baycott and said, I'm not getting the play in time. These guys are why. None of them have NBA prospects or high NBA prospects right now. Even Dayron Sharp, Jeremy, we've talked about, I mean, he might be a late first round draft pick. You think I think he'll be a little higher than that. I, I think he's falling even from that. Okay. Everything I've heard is he's a early to mid second round pick if he stays in. There you Which go. I don't know if he will or not. Armando Baycott, he has no pro hopes right now. He, if he went into the process, they would kick him back. They would. Well, he's going. He's already doing that. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's already announced he's doing that. Okay. I don't know why. Right. A- at this point, I think I want to declare my intentions to enter the 2021 NBA draft. Which because I'm, everybody else that has no shot at being drafted <laughs> seems to be doing the same thing. Right. But Dayron's going pro, Garrison's transfer, and Armando's testing the waters, but he'll definitely be back. There's no 
no one's going to tell him he's going to be a lottery pick. Oh, yeah, like I've said on the show, the, the information that comes out of this process seems to be much more accurate than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It used to be, we used to laugh about this, that there would be, back in the day, there were 13 lottery picks. And we would laugh that there are 13 picks and there are 40 guarantees. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> right. It's not possible. So we know Armando's coming back. And I think this is really the the next step for Carolina. I think it would be the biggest win possible if Hubert Davis is able to announce that Walker Kessler is coming back. And I think it's a place that he wants to be. He came to school there for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's not far from home. So he's the reason that he was moving, in my opinion, was playing time. was because he's not getting the playing time. And I don't go to immediately uh, your reaction when I say that about someone is, oh, well, you should stay and work on it. No, he knew he wasn't getting playing time. Like if those four guys had or if those three guys had stayed, there was no way he was going to play next year anyway. If Roy Williams was the coach, it would have been just much the same. He would have been the fourth rotation guy, and he would never get above that. Well, now the landscape has changed a little bit for Carolina basketball. And we got a Virginia kid coming in. So we've already, Hubert's already landed one guy from the transfer portal. Um, his first name just went out of my head. Justin McCoy. Justin McCoy. I'm real excited about it, but this is only going to continue. The one-time transfer legislation is going to be discussed this week at meetings of the NCAA Council. They are going to meet and they are going to talk about what do we do about the transfer rule. See, now it's it, because of the coronavirus, they have been giving everybody waivers, basically. Everybody, it's a carte blanche waiver. If you want to transfer, go ahead and transfer. Things are weird right now. We get it. But that's all going to come to an end soon. College basketball and the NCAA and all the decision makers are looking at this thing going, we have to do something. We have to have some kind of rule in place. And there's one specific case that comes to mind as to why we have to get something and get it now. And we'll tell you about that right after just a bit outside. The sports tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. I am uh, quickly becoming, you know, Jeremy is opening my mind to all new things uh, in the sports world. Um, Golf is chief among them. The other is UFC. And I'm becoming more and more invested in the UFC as the days go by. And when I saw this story this morning, I just had to bring it up because I think it's. I think it's very interesting, and, and and it's important for the backstory of a fighter. So coming up at UFC 261, there is going to be a championship match in the women's strawweight division, and Rose Namajunas is going to take on Welly Zhang. Rose Namajunas is uh, Lithuanian. Her family moved to America searching for the American dream, and they were running... From communists. Communist rule. And Rose Namajunas says she is taking that into her next fight against Welly Zhang, who comes from communist China. And she says she is taking it personally uh, that this is her own personal fight 
against communism. It's not anything personal against Welly, she says, but it is about what she represents fighting for China. In her comments uh, that she recently did was that she's had members of her family that were uh, part of the independent Lithuanian military that were killed by Soviet Russians. They were killed by communists. And, you know, she has a little bit of a, well, she doesn't like communism too much, uh, obviously, as anybody would in that situation. And in her comments, she actually says, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I've been getting ready for this fight and to get amped up. We watched the 30 for 30, the other dream team. Have you seen that one? I think we've talked about that one before. The Lithuanian basketball team that played in the 92 Olympics against our dream team. But that was a story all about how communism had ripped apart the country and all of this kind of stuff. And she said, as we were watching that, it just kind of made me remember what I was fighting for. And after watching that, it was just a huge reminder. Like, this is a quote. Like, yeah, it's better dead than red. You know, (laughs) so she's taking this on this, this personal quest to stomp out communism in her fight against Welly Zhang. And Hey, if that's the, that's the role that you got to take to win yourself a title and not only win a title in your profession, but also to, uh, you know, stick a finger in the eye of the reds. I'm all about it, man. Uh, things are going strange at USC. I, I've wanted to tell this story, but we didn't have we didn't have a show. Okay, so I'm going to tell it now. A homeless man interjected himself into the USC football program and got so far as to have a jersey on a practice field, attempting to field punts. Okay. That's how far he got. He shared a jacuzzi with players. He shared meals with players, and nobody knew the difference. They didn't realize that, oh, who is that guy? Who is this disheveled human being that looks like he might need to bathe? The man's name was not released, but they have released the terms, and several UFC, USC players have commented, no, this really happened. Really? He he wound up on the practice field trying to field punts. Mm-hmm. And literally in the story, the, I, I, some of the security measures and procedures were reduced during the pandemic, and that's why this happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> that's your excuse. You let some guy wander in off the street, literally, and you let him this close to your players, mm-hmm. and Clay Hilton has not said one word about it. He has said a lot of things, and some of them are very strange. Right. I do not understand how that man still has a job. I don't either. I do not get how that is what you think the best head coach at USA looks like. <laughs> I laughed at this until it hurt. That is pretty funny. Uh, and it, how, but it's scary. It's scary to think about. If you think about it in the sense of if that guy had wanted to do anything, you know, if he wanted to hurt somebody, he yeah, could have gotten in there. Yeah, but you're dealing with football players. I mean, these are gigantic human beings. Okay. Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not overly are, worried about that. I mean, these, there are you got to say you could take with you to. Well, I mean, I understand that, exactly. but that's, that's not the path I'm going here. I mean, a no, lot that's of these. Where my mind went. Yeah, but a lot of these are like, I mean, you're in public. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're in the practice facility, but there's, there's a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't really worried about that. I guarantee I'm more you. looking at it like, how in the world do you not have. 
somebody that's at the door going, yeah, mm-hmm. not a, not just anybody can walk in here. Right. I guarantee you there's somebody in that athletics department that is having the same conversation that I'm having of going, if this guy wanted to do something bad, he would have gotten away with it. We would have had a tragedy on our hands and we you know, would have been liable for that. See, I think you're going too drastic there. I think this is a... I think it's a much funnier conversation of, so how did you fall for that guy? First of all, they said he was markedly older than the rest of the players. Oh, no. So how did you fall for the old guy? being? The, <laughs> did you not notice that his hair looked like it needed to be washed a little bit? Like, he's just... I know, just hanging out doing stuff. I can just imagine the like the special teams coach or something walking onto the field going, Hey, who's I don't recognize thirty three over there. I don't who's, know who that is that? Who is that guy? <laughs> was he wearing like a Roger Craig jersey? I was what really hoping <laughs> Reggie Bush was the one that I was <laughs> hey, this is this is imitation Reggie Bush we got he's out very, here. Very he's very slow. I don't know I don't know if we're gonna be able to keep him on. Is that a scholarship player? Uh, I don't think that walk off. Well, frankly, be good coach, I don't think I've ever seen that guy before. He's not actually on the team. I want to know how that conversation went down. Like, who was the one that approached him and said, "Hey, buddy, you supposed to be here or what?" How did you get the jersey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> like, did he walk up to a to a trainer and go, "Duh, forgot my jersey." Yeah, gonna have another one. I just need one. Is that something you can find on Goodwill? Or? He showed he showed up in his own pads. <laughs> Broke mine from home, coach. No big deal. Like, why in my mind do I have the picture of uh, of uh, Brucey from the lo- the longest yard, the newest one with Adam Sandler? <laughs> Where he just <laughs> give me the ball, coach. Give me the ball, coach. Yeah, I was eating popcorn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can't let that happen. You can't just let strangers wander onto your football field, especially as a power five football team well the fact it happened in southern california in the pac-12 is just what made that so funny it's not uh it doesn't shock you all that much is that what you're saying no i can't say as though it you know you never hear stories like that in alabama for some reason yeah florida and lsu (laughs) but at usc everybody's just hanging out you know talking about the good old days I guess that's because the ones that would try to break into an Alabama Crimson Tide football program would, uh, you know, look like uh, Roy the Trucker from down the street. He comes in with his gut hanging out. Hey, I'm, I'm block. And, and you know what I bet they do a lot? Call the the Paul Feinbaum show. <laughs> I guarantee you that guy calls Paul Feinbaum no less than eight days a day, eight, eight times a week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, did you see this? Evander Holyfield's getting back in the ring. Why? I don't why, know. Why? Wait, we do not do this with any other sport. Why do we do it with one of the most violent sports? I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, they do. Like, golf has the seniors tour. Is Nobody that not ever looks at thing? Larry Bird and goes, hey, Larry, you want to get up some J's today? And yet we let Evander Holyfield get in a ring and get pelted in the head. Now, wait a minute. This might be an idea. This it's might not be an, an idea. idea. Don't, no, 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 no. no don't get on the rabbit hole. Come on. We get like the all the dream team back together and have a scrimmage game of fifty year old basketball players. You don't think people would watch that? Uh Charles Barkley was in bad shape in nineteen ninety two. Uh he is in no way something I want to watch now. I guarantee you that would sell. Yeah, I, not for me. I think I have to wash my hair that day. Uh, I, mean, I don't even to, know what day it is. They, I have to wash my but hair. But they used day. to do this, like uh, like they had the All Star weekend. They used to have the old timers game. Yeah, they, they they have that. It's called the Big Three, and I don't watch that either. Oh, now that's sad. 
that's taking shots. And what at at, at, at the, the three, three on three basketball league that <laughs> had Glenn Big Baby Davis in it and uh-huh. Chris Birdman Anderson, uh huh, and Rashad McCants and a lot of other people. I, oh I, yeah, I, that accidentally wound up on my television one time. I scoured the house looking for the remote to make sure that it went away. <laughs> I went to see it live in Charlotte, and I was not I wouldn't impressed. Admit that. I wouldn't admit I that out loud. Impressed. I would not admit out loud that at some point you had to get on your computer and go, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy big three basketball tickets. Nope. Nope. I I went to cover it. Did you? Oh. Yeah. I went down because it, it was an excuse. Like They were like, hey, you want to come down and cover the big three tournament? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing anything else. I'll go and see what happens. I went, I saw what happened, and I went, uh, this, this is horrible. I honestly thought you were going to say, I got the tickets out of a, a from a contest on a Cheerios box. <laughs> I sent in a letter with 50 box tops, and they gave me... Uh, would you Would you stop that? Cheerios knows that they're way too good for the big three. I do love Cheerios. They never would. <laughs> I do love a good Cheerio. I saw a story about that not too long ago, that they were they were taking this year off of the big three, but they would be back next year. And I wanted to go, uh, Ice Cube, we don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm nobody cares. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> we didn't watch it when it was on the first time, and we're dang sure not going to watch it now. Although, that does seem like it would be the good place for Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant to have their little fisticuffs In. at halftime. I will say his troll job on, on, uh, Undisputed, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. That was where he came on. He's like, people won't talk to me at the dog park. And he did. And then he just went dead straight face. Oh yeah. And Skip don't care. Skip and Shannon both were sitting there. Like, well, first off, Shannon hates Michael Rappaport. You could tell that immediately. He was having none of it. And Skip was just like, Oh really? They hurt your feelings. They've been, they've been throwing things at you. Yeah, It's it's bad when he had to specifically say, uh, Skip, that was a joke, right? If there's any person on planet Earth that cares less about what people think about them than me, it's Michael Rappaport. Uh, old guys playing basketball, old guys playing football. Those, these are not things that we want to see. Mm-mm. Old guys boxing is definitely not something that I Mm-mm. want to see. Evander Holyfield is going to fight on June the 5th in one of these uh, Triller Fight Club pay-per-views. The last guy that fought Mike Tyson, Kevin McBride. You know what? And you'll watch it, won't you? Me? No, out. Uh, anything that starts with Triller, yeah, I'm out. That's where we got uh, the infamous, infamous, infamously got Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. Yeah. I'm good. That's another one of those days I have to wash my hair. Mm-hmm. Got to get ready for the draft. Get my button-up denim shirt, whitewashed jeans. Oh, that was another one of the celebrity appearances on WrestleMania was uh, Logan Paul. Oh, Jake's yeah, yeah. brother showed up. We. Like, yeah, now we're doing stuff. All right, they just kept having to throw out there, oh, two million. He's got two million subscribers on YouTube. Like, I still I don't, don't care who care. he is. I, I want to state for the record, there have now been two blocks of this show. You mm-hmm. have found a way to talk to reference pro wrestling in both of them. I have. I, and I need that number to stay static for the rest of the show. It's not going to happen. No I'm more. A, I'm going to figure out a way to get it in every block of the show. Uh, out. <laughs> I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> anyway, old guys boxing. I'm done with it. I don't need to see it anymore. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESP at Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Coffee's the closers on. Get them the money. Then we get the money. 
you get a power. That watch costs more than your car. Then we get a power, then you get the work. If there's one thing I have thoroughly missed, it is giving money to the wonderful people of Asheville. I got four NBA picks for you tonight. The first one, the New York Knicks are a two-point favorite tonight against the L.A. Lakers. This is a recency bias if I have ever seen one. Because you know what the Knicks can do? Stop Andre Drummond. They should be a much bigger favorite. This Lakers team is not good without AD and LeBron. They played they're coming back to back. All of the things go against the Lakers here. Give me the Knicks minus the two. The Philadelphia 76ers are a three point favorite at the Dallas Mavericks tonight. They're getting too much of a swing for this being in Dallas. Philadelphia is going to beat them senseless. Philadelphia is really good and Dallas is overrated and has been all year long for some reason. Give me the 76ers minus the three. My 2021 NBA champion, Denver Nuggets, are a four and a half point favorite tonight against the Golden State Warriors. One very simple question. Who defends Nikola Jokic? Oh, no one? Cool. That's what I thought. Nuggets minus the four and a half. Finally, the Orlando Magic is a six and a half point dog tonight playing the or, the uh, San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are they're fine. They're doing stuff. But Orlando's actually been better since the Vucevic trade than I thought they would be. I think this should be about a four-point number. I'm going to take the Orlando Magic tonight plus the six and a half. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. Uh, it is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Uh, so the, uh, the, so the Lakers, huh? You, 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 you don't like them against the Knicks tonight? I do not. Hmm. Montrez Harold versus Julius Randle. Uh, I'll take Julius Randle for the square. Really? Aggressively. Okay. All right. You know what Montrez Harold doesn't do well? Play away from the basket. You know what Julius Randle only does? Play away, away from, from the, the basket. basket. <laughs> That's a good point. Ah, uh, you got a monkey knife fight ready? It's time for the monkey knife fight. Monkeyknifefight.com. Go online, create your account today. It is daily fantasy sports props. It is a whole lot of fun, and it's very, very easy to figure out. Just set up your account when you make your initial investment. If you use our promo code TANK, T-A-N-K, they will match your initial investment up to $50, and they'll also give you a $5 free play, which you can use on tonight's game, Jeremy. I am playing the more or less 3.6x multiplier with my... 2021 NBA champion Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors. I will take less than 30 and a half points for Steph Curry, more than 24 and a half for Nikola Jokic. Oh, so you don't think it's a Steph night? Uh, 30 and a half's a lot. That's a lot uh, against a team that does not play as fast as you think they it's do. It's not too much off his average, though. No, but it's a lot for a team that does not play as fast as you think they do. Mm hmm. All right, monkeyknifefight.com. Go on, create your account today, and don't forget the promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. Coming up in the next hour, we'll continue the discussion about the one-time transfer rules that are going to be coming down from the NCAA. The NCAA Council will be meeting this week talking about should we allow uh, one-time transfers, basically carte blanche, anytime you want to transfer, you can transfer and not have to sit out the year in NCAA basketball. Um, the only the thing, the problem that I have with this is 
there are so many guys that are transferring now, and now we've got a case of one guy who is going to try to transfer within a year after he just transferred from another program. So what is the fallout going to be for former Georgetown Hoya, former Texas Tech Red Raider, Mac McClung, future North Carolina Tar Heel? <laughs> hey, we need some shooters. We need some shooters. So he's a card carrying member of Team Gets Mine, too. He loves his first and his last name more than anything than any words in the English language. <laughs> right. Stick with us here for the next hour. We'll also get into some football. Find out what, oh, I don't know, Jerry Jones is planning on doing. And Mark Schlereth had some words for the New York Jets. And Jeremy just absolutely loves him. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. This is the sports tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm... I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with me, Tank Spencer, and him, Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Second hour of the program, as always, brought to you by Wicked Weed Brewing. WickedWeedBrewing.com. Drink different. And so we've got the transfer portal thing going on. What's the latest count? We got, what, 1,400 people in the uh, in the transfer portal right now in college basketball? Uh, according to VerbalCommits.com, it's 1,317. <laughs> wow. You have... A lot of dudes that are in the uh, transfer portal, and women as well. I guess, does it cover women as well, or is that just men's basketball? That's just men's basketball. Oh, my gosh. So you got, uh, you know, upwards of uh, over 1,300 guys in the transfer portal right now in college basketball. And, I, you know, I like the I like the freedom of movement. I always have liked the freedom of movement, but... I'm against allowing multiple transfers. Does that make sense to you? No, really. None of your none of your take on this has ever made sense to me. <laughs> Why is it too much to ask to be able to allow a guy to transfer one time during his career? I've always said I will allow a transfer in one scenario: mm-hmm. the coach leaves. Mm-hmm. The coach leaves. You can you do whatever you want to. Gotcha. So other than that, you committed to the coach. That's always been the oh well, the coach can leave. Okay, Mm -hmm. if the coach leaves, then the player can transfer. Okay, or you can sit out for a year. Right, you sit out for a year. I don't care. Well, that's the thing is this uh, one-time transfer legislation. It's going to be talked about with the NCAA council this week. Is no, you don't have to sit out. (laughs) That every athlete in a revenue sport. The five revenue sports of uh, of the NCAA, which is football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and hockey. Right now, those are the only five sports under NCAA control that you have to go by the what they call the year in residence rule, where you have to be, I guess, at the school for a year before you can join their football, basketball, hockey program, whatever. It's been a a rule that's been in existence since 1964. 
can't imagine back in the early days of the NCAA, there were too many guys uh, in the transfer portal just uh, just willy-nilly transferring to schools. But, I mean, it's something, it's a standard that they don't hold other athletes to that are not in the five revenue sports. It's something that they can't control among the student population. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to Carolina and you go for a year and you decide that's not the place for you, then you can transfer to any other school that you want to. And so it's just basically giving the athletes the same kind of freedom of movement. And I've never been against allowing that freedom of movement. In certain cases. There you go. In in certain cases. There does have to be control on it because you can't have a guy who transfers every year. Well, I mean, we have, it's glorified free agency. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Now there's no, there's no more sacred, hey, this guy's committed. You can recruit them anytime you want to. Mm -hmm. It's, it's preposterous to me. Right. At, at this point, being a college basketball coach would be the most infuriating job on planet Earth, <laughs> and and that I can very well understand. Is you recruit a guy, your you know your thoughts are that he's going to be here for you know two three years if he's really good. You know you got to tamp down your expectations on him not going pro, but you know best case scenario, I'll have him for four years, and that's the pitch that you make to the guys. But this day and age, things are just different than they used to be and commitment isn't something that's really high on most basketball players list right now and it go it goes back to high schools and aau i mean you see players that have uh you know a longer laundry list of high schools in some cases than they do pro teams if they make it to that level just because you can bounce around to different teams find the right coach all that kind of stuff I can understand, you know, allowing one transfer. I've always been a proponent of this rule. Allowing a one-time transfer, you don't have to sit out, you don't have to give, you know, you don't have to give me a doctor's note, or we don't need a note from your mommy as to why you want to transfer. You can transfer to any school that you want to, but we're not going to allow you to do it every year. And see, that's the problem that we're having right now with a guy named Mac McClung. Mac McClung was, I mean, he's a great shooter. He's, he's a good basketball player. He's a junior. He went and played two years at Georgetown, transferred this past year to Texas Tech. Chris Beard, of course, leaves Texas Tech to take the Texas job. And now Mac McClung says he is testing the NBA waters. He's going to be going through the process. And he's also in the transfer portal looking for a place to land for his senior year. Then what happens next year if he doesn't become a an NBA prospect? Does he get another year? He's got a year of eligibility left. He's got a graduate year or something that he can go to another school, so there's a possibility that he could play for four Power 5 basketball teams in his college career? That's ridiculous to me. I tried to tell you this was coming. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many, and I told you the number, it's 1,317 players that are, are, are currently in the transfer portal. Right. Do you know what percentage of D1 scholarship athletes that is? Oh, I have no idea. One in four. One that's out 25%. of every four players is in the transfer portal. Jeez. That's insane. That is insane. And I'm not saying they're all going to transfer. Mm-hmm. A very high number of them are. Right. And so you got guys. Just think about what Hubert Davis has walked into here at Carolina. 
All right, you got Armando Baycott that's testing the waters. Yeah. De'Ron Sharp is testing the waters. Walker Kessler's in the transfer portal. So is Garrison Brooks. What, what, you have no idea what you're bringing back, and it's April. Mm-hmm. It's the middle of April, and you have no idea what your team's going to look like. And so you're out here trying to recruit these grad transfers from other places mm-hmm. to fill holes that you may or may not even have. Do you realize how stupid that is? Do you realize how stupid what I just said is? I don't think it's stupid. I think it's, it's just another stupid. challenge. It's completely stupid. Why? Why deny the Why deny the athletes the freedom to be able to make it? Because they've shown, what, they, they, they've, they've shown what they will do. How many guys go into the and they say, "I'm going to test out the transfer portal." Mm-hmm. Do you realize how much that hangs up the school that you? I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. If I was a D1 college basketball coach right now, and feel free, uh, any coach that hears me say this, feel free to take my idea. I'd have a rule. Mm-hmm. If you test out the portal, you're not coming back here. You're, you're not welcome back here. If you want to test it out, that's fine. You want to go somewhere else, do what you do. Right. But I'm going to replace you the minute you do that. Mm-hmm. Because you, it, it, there's no, you just couldn't do it. I mean, just think about what Hubert Davis is the one that I can't help but feel sorry for. Because you have come into this job, your dream job. Mm-hmm. You don't know what half your roster is going to look like. Half of your rotation is up in the air. Yeah, You could wind up with a very formidable front court, or you could have absolutely no big guys. You have no idea. You don't know. I don't think a school like Carolina is going to from that. Here's, here's the thing. It, it hurts the littler schools worse than anybody. Yeah, because as soon as you develop a talent, they're gone. Mm-hmm. You develop a talent, they're gone. Uh, you got a guy who feels like he's going to move on. Brian Hall just came in during the Sports Center update and told us Flandris Fleming from Charleston Southern is going to be now going to Florida. And, and you know what? I've come up with a solution to that mm-hmm. that I think works. The grad transfer year. That's what most of these guys are anyway. You don't have a ton of guys that, that star as freshmen and sophomores so much to, that, that they go from a Charleston Southern to a Florida. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's not as common. So you give those guys, they have the fifth year. You want to play at a big school. You earned it at the small school. Mm-hmm. Go do what Macy Oteague just did. I'm, I have no problem with that. Right. And that keeps you, the, the smaller school doesn't get punished. The kid still has the opportunity to play on the big stage and make the case that he's a, a pro-level player. Mm-hmm. And you don't k- kill these coaches. I mean, the the level of coach that you're getting ready to lose in college basketball is astronomical. Oh, absolutely. Have you noticed how many former players are getting hired now as coaches? Mm-hmm. You know why? Because they're young. Yeah. Because this because is they an get aggressive, it. an aggressive job at this point. Right, because they get it. They understand what the world is like now. Finally, it's college basketball coming around to the way that every other level of basketball works. When you're in high school, when you're in the AAU level, like I said, you can bounce around teams. When you get to the pro level, you can bounce around teams. I mean, sure, you got to sign your contracts and all that, but there is a free agency period where you get to choose the right fit and all of that kind of stuff. And we're finding out in the NBA, too, that uh, if you don't like where you're at, you can just you can make that happen somehow. We'll, <laughs> we'll find a way to get you out. Do you remember back in the day we used to talk about, you know, we would talk about college coaches, whether it was in football or basketball, and you know, they would flirt with the idea of going to the pros, whether yes. it was the NBA or the NFL. Yeah. And it was always, do they want to work that hard? Do they want to work the 16-hour days it requires to be a pro coach? 
I'm going to say something, and there will be people that disagree with me, and that it's fine. Okay. It is now harder to be a college basketball or a college football coach than it is to be in the pros. And to me, it's not even debatable. I would agree with the added requirements of recruitment. With everything and, that's going on now, yeah. it is much harder to be a college coach than it is to be a pro coach. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're dealing with more immature players because they're younger. Right. I mean, that's not a judgment. It's You're dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids as opposed to 30-year-old men. Right. It's different. Right. You're not talking about on the like game plan scheming side of things. You're talking about just from the roster management side. I'm talking about from everything. I'm talking about from everything. Well, I mean... Okay, so the, the level of competition is completely different at the pro level than it is the college level. Okay, so their, so if, their preparation and, and stuff, I don't think that's. Yeah, but I don't that, think it's an easier job by that stretch. I, yeah, but you got to even even thinking about that. Hubert Davis right now has, and I'm just using this example because it's we work for a Carolina course, network, yeah. so he has no idea who his offense is going to run through. Mm-hmm. None. The only player he knows definitively he's going to have that was a rotational piece is Caleb Love. Yes. That's and it. Kerwin Walton. And, and Kerwin Walton. <laughs> you couldn't hear me roll my eyes, but I, I think yeah. it Oh, it was audible. Conveyed. They heard you. I think it conveyed. <laughs> but you have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get it. And, and this is what I said when Roy Williams decided to retire. Was that you know this came up several times during his press post or his post career press conference? I guess I should say that I you know the game has changed so much, and you know I used to hang on you know I hung on to the Kansas job because who who was the player that he said he he swore he was gonna wasn't gonna Nick leave Collison. Kansas the first time because of Nick Collison because he had promised Nick Collison that he was gonna be there till Collison graduated. You don't have that anymore, no. and now you've got transfer rules that are coming down which you know at least at least they're doing something at least they're putting it on paper that hey you can have a one-time transfer uh you know mac mcclung better hope that he gets the uh that he gets the decision made on where he's gonna go next before this rule comes down because any rule would block him from having immediate eligibility to go somewhere else like he wants to have but they don't want to do it anymore. It's not it's not the game that they were that they got into. It's not the game that they've been running for the last 40 years. It's just a different ball game. And you can't expect a 70-year-old coach to be able to get hip with the times and hit the recruiting trail like he's going to have to to convince everybody. It's it's a constant uh, battle of trying to convince your guys that they're in the right space. And it's also going to affect your coaching on what did you promise a kid? The Walker Kessler transfer portal thing, I think absolutely influenced Roy Williams' decision because oh, I, I he promised, too. right, because he apparently promised Walker Kessler he was going to come in and play a pivotal role in this team, and then he didn't. And he was like, well, I just, I, I, I can't make promises like that to kids anymore because I don't know year in and year out how things are going to go. I can't blame an older coach for not wanting to be a part of it. I and, can't blame frankly, any coach for not Let me ask you a question. I'm looking at NBADraft.net's mock draft. Okay. Right now, both rounds. Mm-hmm. How many seniors do you think are in the first round? Two. It's one. It's Corey Kispert. That's it. Yeah. Over half of them are freshmen. Mm-hmm. 
So you're battling losing kids to the draft. Your high, your highest of the high end guys go into the draft. If you're at this point, if you have a shot of being drafted in the first round, you're pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with that. Now you're dealing with this. What is it? Oh, the the elite Kevin Ollie thing. What what did they call overtime, overtime elite. elite? Overtime elite. So now you're dealing with that where you're going to lose high-end high school basketball players to that who are not going to have any eligibility because they're going to be paid. So now those guys are out. You're dealing with the G League. And now mm-hmm. you have to deal with teams in your own con- – you find a guy, you recruit a guy, you coach a guy up, and now that guy can go to your conference rival if they want to because there's absolutely no control over this. Mm-hmm. None. You have no control. Well, they don't have any control because they gave the waivers – for the coronavirus thing. But that's not why. Outside this has of, been happening for years. Not the not the transfer and play immediately. No. The the losing guys to teams in your own conference. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of these things. You've now, everybody was worried about the player. Oh, the poor player. Oh, the poor player. The player's still getting a four-year degree from a, a you know, very high-level institution. Mm-hmm. They're still getting something. And I'll be honest with you, I've come around on the name, image, and likeness thing. I don't care. I saw Central Florida during their spring game that they allowed their their players to put their social media handles on the nameplate of their jerseys. Right, all the way in. Don't care. Do okay. it. All right. Do it. I don't care. But this is ridiculous. This has gotten to a point of it's so stupid that I can't believe anybody is is still championing this cause. Mm-hmm. You have a quarter of the players in 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 D one college basketball that are at one place right now. A team was counting on them for whatever it was, and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. And you think that's okay, and you think it's not going to get worse. I can't wrap my head around that. I do think it's okay. I think it's okay that the players have the ability to look for a better situation. and But there has to be controls on it. And like I said, that's, that's what they're talking about. Well, there about. currently are none. There aren't. And that's what Mac McClung's taking advantage of. Mm-hmm. He's in a race against the clock right now. Because if they make a decision this week... Which they're not going to. On this... They could... They very well could. So what do you think they're going to do? I mean, they're going to come down with this one-time only transfer thing. You can only transfer one time without having to sit out the year. After that, then you can apply out the year. But you can still apply for a waiver. You can. Yeah, and how many of those get turned down? How often does that get turned down? I'd be willing to say that they're going to turn down quite a few. I bet they won't. Really? I bet they won't. Why? Because all you have to have is a very basic reason for for why you need a waiver. Oh, I, I, I want to be closer to home. Why did you not think about that before? Mm-hmm. Why is that a problem now? I mean, and I'm not saying you can't make a, a poor decision. But they go back to the way things used to be. There, there is no going, even if there's no going back to the way things used to be. After that, you've had your one-time transfer, absolutely, mm, I can see them do that. I, I don't. The, this freedom of movement and all that. We're too far down this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. We've given players all of the leverage, and now the NCAA doesn't have anything. So now what they do you do? They have nothing. So, so now what do you do? Like, for me, it's really simple. There's mm-hmm. a really simple solution to this problem across the board. Okay. Take a break. I'll give it to you after that. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Pernicious. Adjective. Having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. 
Now, Wicked Weed's flagship IPA, winner of a silver medal at the U.S. Open Beer Championships, isn't harmful unless you're a competing IPA. Brewed in the mountains of western North Carolina, Pernicious IPA will destroy your expectations for all others in its class. Pernicious IPA inspires you to enjoy fresh and often. Order up at WickedWeedBrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing, the official craft beer of Furman Athletics. Drink different, drink responsibly. You're in the sports tank. <laughs> Who are we going to cheer for on Sundays now? That's what happens when your player leaves your favorite team. You just you don't know what to do. You're stuck. You'd like you, it's just uh, that's how I feel about Walker Kessler. I mean, I'm never ditching the Tar Heels. I have never ditched them once in my life, and I will be completely behind them. Whatever decision gets made, no matter who is on the team, I may talk crap about guys like Kennedy Meeks and Garrison Brooks, but you know what? They're still part of the Carolina family. And now that we've got Hubert Davis, he's uh, you know he's he, he was born in the Carolina family, so I'm completely happy that he's the coach of the team. But having younger coaches like that who are familiar with the way the the young game works now with freedom of movement it doesn't really make me sad that we're going to see all of these legendary coaches call it quits cuz i mean frankly can we be honest it's time right it's time that we moved on from jim bayheim and mike shashevsky and guys that have already retired roy williams and lon kruger it only makes sense. Larry Brown. I'd be happy if I never see Larry Brown on a basketball court again. Maybe that's just me. And maybe I'm not sentimental enough to go, oh, remember the good old days. I mean, I can still do that. I still cherish the days that Dean Smith was the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I will always love the years that Roy Williams was the coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels as well. But they don't have to hang on forever. You have to have new eras, new ways of doing things. And I think that's only part of the world that we find ourselves in with all of these transfer rules. But Jeremy thinks he's found a, uh, found a solution to the whole transfer portal thing. There, this is a solution for the whole thing on the whole. Okay. First call Mark Emmert needs to make is to Adam Silver. Okay. He's say, all right, we're, we're going to make a concession. The kids coming out of high school, you can have the kids coming out of high school. We're, we're done with this one and done thing. Mm-hmm. It's not working. It, it's adding another uh, another layer to this that just makes everything uh, the, the cat's out of the bag on our side. Mm-hmm. So we got to we, we have to corral that somehow. We can't have you on this side taking two hundred and fifty early entrants a year to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Can't happen. We'll give you that. You give us the the baseball rule. Once you come to school, you're here for three years. Period. And that has to be something that's legislated at the NBA level? Uh, well, the one-and-done rules legislated at the NBA level. Oh, I know that. They have the 19-year-old rule mm-hmm. that you have to do something until you're 19. You can't enter the draft. I get that. Yep. It would have to be legislated at that level. You, okay. the, the NCAA couldn't do it. It would get, it would get, they would get sued. It right. would get shot down. Right. No point in even trying. Right. But you I mean, tell Adam Silver that that's fine. You can have the one mm-hmm. you can, the, the early entries, the guys that were are no doubts the Cade Cunninghams at, at Oklahoma State. It's stupid anyway. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons literally did not step foot on the LSU campus <laughs> the day after they got knocked out of the tournament. Right. 
He barely stepped on foot on campus when he was there for do you know other, he had, anything other than practice. Do you so. know he had already moved his things out of his dorm room before they left to go that to the tournament? Doesn't shock me at all. As soon as they got knocked out, he just hopped on a plane and went back home. Well, what was it? He only had like like 14 credit hours six. or something? You have to be in, You have to take six credit hours a semester, <laughs> which is two classes, by the way. <laughs> right. That's all you have to do. And that's all he was taking his freshman mm-hmm. year. We all knew why he was there. Yeah. And, he was so there we'll get, because we'll there was no better those. option. But the guys that come to school, they're here for three years. Mm-hmm. And now there's a freedom of movement thing here that I'm going to – that's the second part of this. Okay. We'll do the one-time transfer. I, I would like it to be only if the coach leaves, but that's just never going to happen. No. And we'll do the grad transfer thing. Okay. Yeah, that fifth year, you can go wherever you want to, no penalty, no nothing. Mm-hmm. If you're still around, you're a smaller school guy, you want to play at the big school, that's fine. And I think that would restrict every bit of this. You still have freedom of movement. A guy doesn't get stuck in a bad situation. And it's it, it takes some of the nightmare of this mm-hmm. away for coaches. Right, because you're not going to have one and dones. They'll already be in the NBA yep, the, or the G League. They'll be playing for the Ignite team or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i with you. I, I would like to see it happen. I don't know that it'll ever happen. I, I mean, I full-on believe that the NBA is going to come around to we're, we're going to lift this 19-year-old rule. The the whole you can't enter the draft before you're 19 years old, I fully expect that to go away. I, I think it has At to. some point soon. I just don't see how it changes all that much. Uh, otherwise, that's the only, but that's, that's your solution, is the NBA has to legislate once you're in school, you can't come for three years? Yes. Okay. It's the baseball rule. Yeah, absolutely. I've long said uh, I, it's the I would like to see this work. It's how it works everywhere except <laughs> right. in basketball. Right. And why we don't do it. That, and then the NFL. You can't go straight from high school in the NFL, mm-hmm. but you have to wait three years. Mm-hmm. Why can we not do this in basketball? I mean, because at this point, what do give me the advantage that college basketball coaches have? The advantage that they yeah, have. What do they have in terms of what has anybody done to make this job in any way easier? There's not one. Oh, I have no... There, there, there isn't No one. answer, yeah. Nick Saban does not have to worry about this the way that Nate Oates does. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. You got a very good point. And now things are... Now things are getting even harder uh, on <laughs> on college basketball coaches because some of the players are now going to be getting paid before they even get to college. This overtime elite thing... I don't. I don't know how it's going to work. Well, those guys aren't going to be eligible. No, they won't be eligible. No, they for, won't be eligible. No, those guys are going to be pro. straight to the pros. Right. They will have to go straight to the G League. They'll have to go overseas, whatever. Because once you start taking money, you're no longer an amateur. You don't have any amateur status, and that's what the NCAA is built on: amateur student athletes. So they're not going to be. A, but but what I'm saying is, is that this takes even more top flight uh, players, prospects, off the books. For college coaches to be be even able to recruit or talk to, and I think it's overrated how much that would actually hurt college basketball. I think that part of it's overrated. Okay, the high end guys that we did that for ever. Mm-hmm. You know the LeBron Jameses and guys like that. They never they never made it to college. Anyway. Yeah, but there were only like four of those. Okay, and that's and that's the difference with this. Is I mean this is starting out. What is it? Twenty five guys. I think is what they're. Or, 40 person. Yeah. 40 people. They're going to start out with 40 guys. Okay. At this overtime elite. 
the college or the high school kids are going to be playing in this program. They're still going to be going to school. Oh, I got news for you. They're that's going to be, gonna be high. In, that's going to be top hundred recruits anyway. Exactly. Top hundred, top two hundred. But that's going to be the same guys that go straight to the league. If you're not planning that's, on college, that's true. If they lift you're the nineteen year old, yeah. They, if they if they lift the nineteen year old rule, I see what you're saying. But because what are you going to do? You're you're, you're going to as opposed to playing high school for two years, you wind up playing for Kevin Ollie, who won a national title. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if you have NBA aspirations, that's probably what you're going to do. Right. And so, uh, you, so you lose forty guys a year. Okay. Look at the Final Four we just had. Mm-hmm. The best player at Houston. Uh, he's not an NBA player. Quentin Grimes is a second round pick at best, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. Baylor. They had a you know Jared Butler. But Jared Butler. He's a early second rounder. Davian Mitchell, he played his way into He'll the, back, be in the first round. He, well, he played his way into the first round in the mm-hmm. tournament, but that's not a guy that would have left a year ago if he had given if he had the opportunity. Right, Macy Oteague, same thing. He'll mm-hmm. end up playing. He'll either be on the bottom of an NBA roster or he'll end up playing in Europe. Mm-hmm. Those guys are still going to be there. The vast majority of Gonzaga's roster, take out, I mean, Corey Kispert stayed four years, mm-hmm. played his way into the first round. Okay, you wouldn't have Jalen Suggs. Okay. We'll find somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you're going to have a guy that's – you're not going to have the number one recruit in the nation, but you'll have the number 51 recruit in the nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's a difference, but I don't think you're – I think if you can get attached to these players again, because right now what's happening, college basketball has become a three-week sport. That's all it is. It's ratings death outside of every – minus where we're sitting right now, mm-hmm. except for three weeks out of the year. Mm-hmm. You could take high-level ESPN talent and ask them who the third player is at, at this point for every school outside of Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Gonzaga, and a handful of others. And they would have absolutely no idea. No. None. Because it doesn't matter. Right. It's it, and, it, and it's hard to track. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep track of who's going where and who's transferred and who hasn't transferred. And, and, I, and I get it. I understand where diehard, you know, old school college basketball fans are ticked off right now about how this is going. And I and I sympathize with you. I really do. You're used to the days where you get a guy in the building and you get three years to get to know him. He goes pro after his junior year, and if he doesn't, then you got him for his fourth year, and that's just not how the world works anymore. Nope. Everybody's got freedom of movement. Everybody's got everybody, you know, coming after them to offer them money, offer them perks. That's why we've seen so many, uh, you know, so many scandals at the college basketball level with the the Adidas thing, and you know, Kevin Ollie. Kevin Ollie got in trouble with the NCAA after winning a national title uh, and had to leave the sport. And now, lo and behold, here he is. He's got his head coaching job now for the overtime elite program that is going to set up and start paying high school players. Um, you know, money makes the world go round. And it's long been a thought that there is no money in basketball until you get to the pro level. And I think that's a thing that has now become outdated, and it's been outdated for about 20 years at least. It's just everybody did, you know, either one, everybody did such a good job of covering it up, or the NCAA was just like, oh, we know what's happening, but we're just going to cover our eyes and we're not going to look. We're not going to pay attention. It's just a fact of life. And I like I like the overlead, overtime elite idea. I like being able to give these kids, you know, because how many guys have been at the top of the rankings coming out of high school and then have never done anything with it? 
You can go back on all those ESPN top 100 lists all the way back to what? how far do they track it now? All the way back to like 2003 or something, something like, like that. that. But you can look at these lists of the top 100 cr- recruits coming out of high school. How many of them on there were uh, big impact players at the college level and on top of that became impact players at the NBA level? It's like what? 5% if that? That even made a, a you know an impact at the college level. So now they're getting the ability to make some money while they while the, you know while their stock is high. So I like the ideas, and I, I think the NCAA is going to be able to to get a handle on this with the one time transfer rule because I think they will go if a guy transfers one year like Mac McClung transferred last year from Georgia Te- Georgetown almost said Georgia Tech Georgetown to Texas Tech and then he wants to transfer again. Uh, he's going to have to do a lot of explaining to that board. He's going to have to put in the application, and he's going to have to have a darn good reason as to why he needs to transfer again before the NCAA is going to go, okay, you can transfer for a second time. I do believe at that level the NCAA will crack down, but you know, we'll continue to follow it. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. Oh, I love Dollar General stories, and I love Dollar General stories that are in close proximity to us. Uh, (laughs) Here's one out of Blount County, Tennessee. Maryville, Tennessee. A representative of a Dollar General store in Maryville reported a counterfeit bill uh, was passed at their store or tried to be passed at their store just last week, and the two women who gave over the counterfeit bill, uh, they had the cops called on them. Now, here's the thing. They said that they were in there and they were trying to do a good deed, that they were out just shopping uh, for uh, what uh, items for care packages for the homeless, that they had come into some money recently, and that they wanted to give a little bit back. The problem is... The money that they tried to pay for and buy several gift cards with was counterfeit. It was a counterfeit $1 million bill that they say they got in a, in a card from a local church. Now, this is just a special kind of stupid in my, <laughs> like you've got to know a $1 million bill. Number one does not exist. Okay. Uh, I know that the, 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 at one point in history, there was a million dollar bill. There were like 14 of them printed and it was like 1970 something. Okay. I get it, but there isn't, there are not mass produced million dollar bills. And I guarantee you a church is not going to send you one that you can just spend willy nilly because the Lord loves you and go and do thy Lord's service. It's not going to happen. They tried to pass a million-dollar bill over to the cashier at the Dollar General, and even the Dollar General cashier went, are you kidding me? Seriously. So they had to call the cops. One woman says that she had no clue what the other woman was going to try to pay for the items with. But, um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were charged with trespassing. <laughs> did you tell me this story before we went on air? I did. I wasn't listening. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you looked over at me at one point like, this sounds like an interesting story. And I went, wait, I just told you this. So the reason that I asked that yeah. is my story is about counterfeit money as well. Oh, wonderful. Uh, hip-hop artist Usher is under fire on Twitter. Oh, no. And you might wonder what could Usher possibly Usher. have done. Usher went to a gentleman's club okay. over the weekend. Okay. And apparently he was enjoying the show. Nice. And okay. he wanted to show the performers his appreciation by by throwing money around. Mm-hmm. There's only one problem. They were counterfeit bills. They had his face on them. <laughs> he has counterfeit $120 and $1 bills that look super realistic. Like, if you weren't paying attention, you would not. You would have to look directly at this Damn. because they look realistic. They even have the counterfeit blue stripe on the hundreds. <laughs> they say Usher all over them. <laughs> oh, my God. And apparently he didn't say anything. And at the end of the night, the girls were looking at their tips. And they realized that he had done nothing but throw $100 Usher bills at them. And he is getting killed on Twitter. As, as he I should mean, be. crushed. I'm not going to lie. I have thrown my opinion out there a couple times and... I can't repeat it on this show. But if you want to see it, you can follow me on Twitter, at ESPN. The level of of awful that you have to be. Oh, yeah. How much is Usher worth? Oh, it's I got to be no a lot of money. I can find this And you out. go to a gentleman's club, and you're enjoying yourself. He's worth a cool 180 mil. Good gravy. Yes. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And you go... You, you go to the club, and you throw money around like like your usher. Right. And then at the end of the night, they look, and they go, that's not a president. Mm. That's usher. Mm-mm-mm. What? Oh, wait. I have several questions in all of this. I can probably answer them. But, well, okay, my first question is, what made usher think that was a good idea? So the funniest part of this, in my opinion is that he went on his social media, apparently before he went to this club, and showed a briefcase full of his Usher money. Mm-hmm. And he posted it on his Instagram. And then he went to the club and threw it everywhere. But, but, but One, don't do that. What kind of a jack wagon do you have to be to have money printed up with your own face on it? First of all, I have to think this is illegal. Oh, of course. That has to be illegal. It's one thing to make very fake money that's obviously not real. This has the counterfeit stripe on it. Yeah. Like, it has that blue, shiny strip. Mm-hmm. Like real hundreds do. <laughs> and then you tried to use it as real money. Right. Like, I mean, I think the thing that would save him is that you don't necessarily have to tip. It's not like you were... Right. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was buying goods. Yeah. It. It, so, I mean, I guess that would save him, but... right. Oh, it's at, I, I now look at Usher in a completely yeah, different light. I feel light. like there are some real questions in here, some legal questions for Usher in I, all of this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, the, the, some of the the things he's getting said about him on Twitter, I, I hate Twitter. I'm not going to lie to you. I, just, I have a Twitter just solely so people that listen to the show can directly interact with me. That's the only reason. Well, that and sometimes I see funny things yeah. that I don't see anywhere else. Just don't be cheap. Here's my thing. Like, don't be that cheap. Don't uh, literally return your shopping cart. Mm-hmm. 
don't do meth. <laughs> Tip your bartenders. Don't make fake money with your face on it. Yeah. I feel like I'm adding rules to this every you day. Are. This is the second rule I've added today. What was the was the I don't one? remember. I said it on the morning show. <laughs> I, I just remember that's the second time I've said that exact same line. <laughs> don't believe anything around NFL draft time. I think uh, was. Well, that, that's another one. Oh, <laughs> Well, uh, look forward to the coming weeks when we will do the update on the Usher story when he is uh, booked for counterfeiting U.S. money. Don't buy jerseys of Bears quarterbacks. That's that's another good rule for life. Or Browns. Well, no, I guess you're safe now if you buy a Baker Mayfield jersey. They're going to have him for at least another five years. Yep, and when he's making $30 million, that thing's going to be worth about as much as Usher money. (laughs) Kudos. Here it goes. Hey, speaking of football, uh, things are happening. Yeah, it's, it's all kinds of things happening. Yeah, things are happening all over the place. Uh, what was it? You came in here after the break telling me that uh, Tampa Bay had just picked up Gio Bernard. So yes. former North Carolina Tar Heel is now going to be joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The second I'm greatest. I'm super happy about that. The, the second greatest mustache in the NFL. Gardner Minshew is number second one. second only to my uh, separated at birth brother, Gardner Minshew. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're so in love with the redneck look. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, and we. Oh, and the fact my wife hates it just makes me love it even more. Oh yeah. I want to find. And a I way. don't know who it irritates more, me or her. And I don't know who that thrills you more about, oh, it's me her. or her. Oh, it's her. It's a hundred percent her. <laughs> if you go to my Twitter at jgreenesbn, I picked my uh, I picked my attire for our draft party on our mm-hmm. YouTube channel at the Sportsocracy. We will be. Giving analysis on every NFL draft pick live as they happen, mm-hmm. and Gardner Gardner Minshew did a he did a swell little little photo spread, and I believe Which, I'll be recreating that. And Jeremy's going to copy that for for draft night. You realize we want people to tune in. Oh yeah, they'll tune in for this. I, the sweet mullet. Oh yeah, and I'm going to put. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to. I don't know what I'm going to do to my hair to make it look like that. I'll find a way. Seth Braden on Tunnel Road will find a way Seth to make. Oh out. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> because for as much as you and my wife hate this look, right? He loves it that much. <laughs> Steadfast barber down on Tunnel Road, right? Best barber in Asheville, not close. Right. So have uh, since we were talking before the program started, I told you the story about Mark Schlereth. Have you? Uh, have you gone and looked at what Mark Schlereth said about your football team? I, I did. I've also messaged Mark Schlereth on Twitter to tell him how funny I thought that was. Oh, good. I'm glad. because If, if he responds, I'll let you know. He's, he was talking crap about the uh, the New York Jets the other day on a podcast, and he was saying you know, that, that New York Jets... He's saying the same thing that I have been saying to Jeremy over and over and over again about his New York Jets. Is like, you have the number two pick in the draft. You have all of this money to spend in free agency. Now... We can agree or disagree whatever we want to about the guys that you've already signed or whether or not you should take Zach Wilson or whether you should have traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. We can argue about all that kind of stuff. But in the end, one thing has continued to happen over and over and over again. It's the New York Jets screwing this up. And so he went on his podcast and he was saying that, like, just be warned. You have a franchise that continually screws up every moment that they get. Uh you know, you think there's a little glimmer of hope that they're going to be really good, and then something happens to take that away. And then he issued an apology video to the New York Jets fans today that I thought was absolutely hilarious, where he kindly shows off his Super Bowl rings, has one ring on a very prominent finger on his hand when he explains that he won that trophy 
or he won that ring while kicking the tail of the New York Jets in the AFC Championship game back in the uh, second Denver Broncos Super Bowl run with John Elway at the end of his career in 1998. Uh, the last time I cried at a sporting event. Was that game? Mm-hmm. Was the AFC Championship game mm-hmm. when you were 12? Yep. Cried hard. <laughs> Not even the butt fumble? You were crying for a different reason because you were in the ER. Yeah, I was in the yeah. ER. <laughs> I had a roofing nail through my foot when the butt, when the butt fumble happened. But when bad things happen to the Jets, you should check on your boy. Because yeah. bad things tend to happen to me directly synonymous when bad things happen to the Jets. It was one of the greatest apologies I've ever seen. If you want to see it, go on Twitter. Check out Mark Schlereth. He's a great follow if you don't already follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's constantly talking smack, and he's one of the best at it. And he has some of the most weird-looking broken fingers I've ever seen on a on a human being. Uh, but I guess, you know, that's what banging it around in the trenches of NFL offensive lines for 15 years will do to your hands. Uh, <laughs> but he's saying the same thing I've been saying to you, Jeremy. You should really tamp down your expectations here. I know you're real happy about Corey Davis, and you're super happy about Zach Wilson's going to be your next quarterback. But just... Just take it easy. My 2021 NFL champion, New York Jets. <laughs> it's never going to stop. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Coming up after the break, close out the show. We'll talk some Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule had some things to say about Teddy Bridgewater. You're in the sports tank. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Wasn't this an Usher song? Uh, this no. Th- no? Okay, my bad. <laughs> All right, anyway, I thought it was. I'm out of touch with the with the, the music the kids are listening to. It's Lil John. Yeah. Just Lil John. Ah, just, yeah. That was one gotcha. of the few that wasn't just featuring Lil John. Right. I thought that was the Usher Lil John song. No. Okay, anywho, yeah, uh, welcome back into the Sports Tech with Jeremy Green here on ESPN. Asheville, so the Carolina Panthers have a new quarterback. And he's happy to feel wanted in Charlotte. Is he? Yeah, he just did his first interview since the deal. Okay. He's happy to be wanted in Charlotte. Because he wasn't wanted in New York, is that the That was the, the insinuation, yes. Yeah. Um, well... We did want you, uh, you know, at the beginning. Yeah, we did want you until Adam Gase broke you. (laughs) And Jeremy still wanted you. I mean, if you didn't have Zach Wilson, you'd be happy moving on with Sam Darnold, right? 100%. Okay. So he was still wanted by some of the fan base in New York, but, you know, three not great years will we'll do that uh you'll sour in the largest media market in the country and maybe going to charlotte is the best thing for you and i think the carolina panthers will be able to get more out of sam darnold than he ever they ever got out of him with the new york jets i would agree with that i think he's in a much better situation now than he was in new york new york's moving on and carolina's moving on Matt Rule was asked about it today, about Teddy Bridgewater, what the plan is with Teddy Bridgewater, and basically, let me translate what he said for you. Uh, I won't even paraphrase because it's so useless coach speak. Uh, the <laughs> the translation is, uh, we will sell him for the highest price we can. Which will be a sixth round pick. And it will be as soon as possible. To the Denver Broncos. Really? You think that's that's his destination? 
George Payton. Makes all the sense in the world. Payton out of hand in drafting. Ah, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, makes all the sense in the world. And I would like him in Denver. George Payton better than tied to everybody. <laughs> yeah. We had him tied to Kirk Cousins. We got him tied he to Teddy Bridgewater. He was tied to Kirk Cousins. Right. Just didn't make the move. <laughs> But the Carolina Panthers, um, they're going to be moving on from Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Rule saying today that Teddy is still a member of the team. He says it's been documented uh, that our organization gave his representation uh, ability to talk with other people. So we've agreed to see other people. And now it's just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you're not going to let this thing play out. Uh, there is no playing out here. Uh, this is, we are going to get as much as possible, as soon as possible, for Teddy Bridgewater. And you don't think it's going to be anything greater than a sixth-round pick, Jeremy? No. Really? No. Not even like a four? No. You got a, a gross deal where you're paying him too much money. $20 million? That's too much money, you could have had Mitch Trubisky for two. You're telling me Teddy Bridgewater is ten times better than Mitch Trubisky? Well, I'm going to disagree. Well, Mitch Trubisky wasn't available last year when they made that deal. No, so. but he was available this offseason when he signed with the Bills to back up Josh Allen. This is very true. Um, but the Carolina Panthers are moving on, and I, and I don't think anybody's really upset about this. I mean, I tried my best to carry the water for Teddy, but it just... It just wasn't working. Nobody cared. Nope. And now you have Lego fireman Sam Darnold as your quarterback, and I hope it goes <laughs> tremendously for you. It is going to go tremendously for him. Can't wait to see how it works with uh, with Matt Rule there in Carolina. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Don't forget to check us out tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in the Sportsocracy. Check us out on YouTube.com. Like and subscribe back here tomorrow at 3.